0: Welcome to the Raw Project, the first way you will learn how to thrive and grow in every aspect of life. Family, entrepreneurship, personal development, tech and marketing. Using real raw and one hundred percent no bullshit. Proven Tactics. My name is Ivan Tamokoff, and I'm your host. I hope you weren't expecting anyone else. And today I'm joined on the podcast by the lovely Charlotte Camp. Welcome Charlotte to the show. Ivan, thank you very much for having me here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Charlotte, I had reached out to you. I think it was from a newsletter that my podcast was featured on. I'm like reading this and, and, and the word futurist like stood out to me. I was like, all right, I got to have this woman on my podcast. I'm sure she can drop all kinds of knowledge. But before we do that, I want to introduce you to the viewers, the listeners also, and let them know a little about your background. So Charlotte is a futurist alchemist, a futurist keynote speaker who works with organizations to co-create Preferred Futures, a member of the Association of Professional Futurists, as well as the president of the professional speakers association of southern africa also the author of a number of books including futures alchemist which presents a narrative of how to use her map compass and guide model to navigate unknown futures for research and insight charlotte hosts a podcast series called futures facets and interviews people around the world to gain an understanding of how we see the future from our points of view. Uh, you also have a signature talk, uh, become the conscious futurist uh, your industry needs now. And you explore ways to intentionally create changes that will usher in our preferred future for our own uh, industries. And you also serve on a number of association boards and steering communities. And you also work as an association futurist. Oh my God. So everything in your bio is like futurist, futurist, futurist. Um, So I know there were several questions that I want to get your take on. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about your story. You know, where you come from, where you've been, what you've seen. Let's paint the picture from childhood to modern day, so to speak. Wow,
1: that far back. Thank you. (laughs) um, All right. So I live here in South Africa. Uh, It's absolutely beautiful. And my father was in financial services when I was still a child in school. So we moved around a lot. So I've lived in all the different parts of of this beautiful country. And um, then I grew up and got married and moved to Gauteng, which is like the business hub Johannesburg. And I started working in financial services myself. So I worked for banks and insurance companies and brokerages and uh, financial firms. And with that experience and with what I was doing, I kind of fell into training the new staff members who joined this last company that I was with. Uh, so, a new person would come along, I would teach them whatever I knew, the systems, the background, and everything. And then, as the company expanded, um, they made me into the training department. So, I started training all the, you know, officially training everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, then took a few years off to have my two children, beautiful girls. Um, and the oldest one is now following third generation into financial services and studying that at, uh, in university. And uh, then when I started wanting to come back to work, I, I bought a franchise business. It's, uh, it was an investment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was living still in Gauteng. My parents were down on the East Coast and my parents were going to run the business. And my mother had a series of heart attacks. In the month that we were opening this retail service center mm. thing in a busy shopping mall and uh, that really threw us so this is a family business my mom is going to run it she's fighting for her life my father had to resign from his job to run my business i'm living up in in another province just got divorced so a lot of serious trauma yeah so the, fam- the family all got together um we um we we worked in the business together for a little bit but then eventually i lost it uh, and and i lost everything when i lost this business retrenched my own parents lost all my money and my investments in my car and my house and so i wrote a book at the time called i'm not afraid of the f word and um i wasn't being too coy although i i was a little little anxious about the title but the f wasn't um, it, it wasn't the F word we would use sure. today in the conversation, but it was actually failure. And the, the problem is in South Africa, we do not like talking about failure. Um, if you fail at business, the banks do not want to talk to you. Nobody wants to make eye contact with you. Oh, wow. um, and, and I wanted to say this, this is the taboo we've got to get over because too many of us are experiencing it. Anyway, a little oh. bit of other things went along. I uh, started um, trying to market this book that I'd written And this keynote that I'd written, uh, prepared with it, but I've got no money left, um, obviously, because I've just lost everything. So I started using social media, online marketing, and this was about 15 years ago and it was all quite new. So I was having to go online, find out what to do, you know, research, talk to the few colleagues in this country that were working in this space. And I started marketing myself. And people started coming to me not about my signature talk and my book but mm-hmm. to say how did you just do that on twitter and so i started teaching them what i knew because i can't help myself sure. anyway after after a decade of training on social media um, online media and specifically linkedin which is my favorite i i thought i just i can't bring myself to teach people how to tweet better i, I want to do something more substantial Mm -hmm. And so I went back to university, back to start studying, and I discovered futures thinking or strategic foresight. And it felt like I'd come home. Everything that I've ever been interested in or concerned about or read as a curiosity just brought me back to futures thinking. And I love all the conversations we're having, all the amazing people that I get to speak to because of of this mindset. And, uh, And that's what I really love to share with people.
0: That's amazing. Um, When you were sharing uh, the word failure, which that was actually new to me because I thought it was, it was F-U-C-K fuck. Right. (laughs) But you said failure. And, and it's so interesting that you said that because I think in entrepreneurship specifically, I mean, if you don't embrace failure, entrepreneurship probably isn't the right fit for you because in the reality of things, you're going to fail more times than you're going to succeed because, it's just unrealistic to know that every idea that comes to your head, that's going to come to fruition. But what you said about that in South Africa, banks frown upon people with failures. It's like, don't you understand that small business fails? Any business fails. Yeah. You know, if you any business that post a continuous win, uh, there's something wrong there, honestly. Yeah. There's something wrong there because realistically it just cannot happen because there's just so many unforeseen things in business that you cannot predict. You know, you cannot control so many things, you know, the, 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 the market could crash. Right. And then, you know, your business tanks, you know, you lose massive amounts of revenue when I mean, we saw that with COVID it was completely unexpected. So like, okay, your business failed. Well, yeah, this pandemic happened. So, uh, Oh, okay. Well, you must be a failure, right? It's like, Fuck no, it's a pandemic. Like, it was unexpected. It was unpredictable. So it's so interesting you say that That a lot of banks frown upon it when, in fact, small businesses are the backbone of any economy. So you need small business for job growth. Without small business, you've got no job growth. It's very hard, especially in 2020 with the pandemic. I mean, we saw more and more corporations worldwide demise, because they could not sustain they could not grow they could not continue to create jobs but that also created massive opportunity for small business and here's you're saying that in south africa traditionally banks frown upon people who fail it's like okay that doesn't make any sense so then you were talking about the the futuristic aspect of it and we'll talk more about it here because I personally can relate a lot of a lot a lot to that because I was one of those kids growing up, especially that was like everybody else is doing something. I'm like, I'm going to do something different, you know, because I just don't like that. You know, it just doesn't sit with me. You know, when everybody goes left, I go right or everybody goes right. I go left. It's like always the polar opposite. And growing up, what's really interesting is like a lot of people would tell me that I had developmental problems. I didn't take interest in the things, you know, that I would end up nothing. Basically, you know, growing up as an adult that I had no direction. I had no career. You know, I dropped out of college because I learned more on the Internet than what I learned in college. But you know what? That was a huge disappointment also because I would have been the first to graduate in my entire family. So talk about mom and dad. We're like, really? Why didn't you graduate from college? It's like, well, sorry, mom and dad. I had I had different goals, you know, different direction. And here's you talking about how when you found futurism, you're like, oh my God, I'm at home. Mm-hmm. You felt like, like you said, after you lost everything, right? I mean, the divorce, the money, the business, the, all of that. I mean, most people fold, right? In that situation, they just you know, let's cover my losses, so to speak, and, and figure out how to move on. And you instead embraced that failure. You embraced it from what it sounds like. You wrote the book, right? And and then you realized that was actually probably one of the biggest learning experiences, right? From, from what had happened. So I'm just curious, you know, and before we go into some of the stuff that I want to chat with you about, like what was going through your mind? So after all of this happened, Divorce, lost money, all that. Like, what was going? Can you can you go back and like, what was going through your head at the time? Is what I'm curious about.
1: Yeah, Ivan. Mean, that's why I wrote the book right in the middle of of losing everything, and mm-hmm. I had uh, I just discovered the Professional Speakers Association uh, at, at at about the same time. Sunny realized that you know not only could I possibly one day have a career as a trainer? But there's this whole world of professional speaking, which I didn't even know existed at the time. Mm. So one of the first things I heard in that world was you have to have a book to to kind of get a reputation, but you can't have a book until you've got a story to tell. So here I am losing my business, talking to lawyers, talking to landlords, having the sheriff knock at my door and serve me papers. And I thought I should write about this, but I don't want to write about it later when I've recovered, I want to write right now in the middle. So I set up a blog on my, on my website and I would wake up with my mind and my stomach churning at about 3.30 in the morning. Um, I don't know what it was about 3.30, but I woke up and I, I blogged every single day for 50 days. Um, it was just just about two months. And so the, the subtitle of that book is 50 Lessons Learned on the Way to Business Failure. And what I did was I tackled the mistakes that I'd made, the positive things that I'd learned, um, the painful things, you know, that, that I would never want to do again. And, and I wrote it raw right while I was experiencing mm-hmm. that. And, and I know it touched people because I've had people buy that book and change their business decisions because of what I've written. I've had people yeah. phone me and say, when you wrote that piece, were you crying? Because I'm crying every time I read it. So yeah. it, it really was. And it's still it's such a little difficult for me to go back and look at it because, you know, the, the, the emotion really is there. But mm-hmm. you know, through that, I, I knew that I was experiencing something that was terrible that I would never wish on anybody. But yeah. there has to be something past that. And when I look at what I've done now with my life, what my husband and I have done in in designing a lifestyle, okay, I could never have done this if I took a conventional path. Um, If I hadn't lost my business, if if it had succeeded, I would be happy and maybe have two or three branches and be chugging along. But I've now got an absolutely phenomenal life um, because I embraced everything that I learned in that failure. And still, you, you wouldn't wish it on somebody, but if you're going to go through something bad, then make sure you squeeze all the goodness out of it.
0: You know, uh, there's so much there's such a powerful message in what you just shared. And one thing it's so ironic, actually, because this morning on one of the other episodes, I talked about living in the present and I talked about how important that is. So when you said you woke up at three thirty in the morning you just kind of like the spontaneity almost was like, okay, I'm going to blog. I think it was in a it was it was a, a way for you to alleviate the tension and the stress mm-hmm. that you had developed inside, and that was your way of choosing to release it, yeah. right? And you decided to blog about it, but even more so, you blogged about it because you knew it's like the back of your brain almost knew that like I'm going to reflect back on this and I'm going to see all these lessons that I learned day by day, what was going through my mind. that is so powerful because there's one thing that I personally have learned is that if you want to grow and scale, not just as a person, but as an entrepreneur, as a business owner is that you need to become more documentative and document everything. I mean, most people are like, why do I need to document this experience? Well, because it's going to help you fucking grow. You're going to look back at it and you're going to say, because at the time being, right, the first time you blogged, probably your instant reaction was like, oh my God, like you're so worried about sheriff's banging on my door. I'm going to lose my property. I don't have any money, right? But the flip side of your brain was like, I'm going to come back to this. And I want to see the lesson that came from this. And I think that first time you blogged, it sounds like you were exercising self-control. But And that's very powerful. Honestly, that is so powerful because... I think you know this. Being in the space for so long, entrepreneurs specifically, you know, tend to rush a lot. I think most entrepreneurs feel like I got this great, amazing idea. My business is the best thing. I'm going to skyrocket. I'm going to be the next Steve Jobs or Jeff Bezos. It's like, nah, you probably won't be. Sorry, <laughs> it's just not <laughs> realistic, you know. So to to control specifically your emotions, I think you're really capable of controlling those emotions. But then. You became repetitive with that behavior. That's even more powerful is doing it day in and day out, day in and day out. So you were basically extracting all of your emotions, all of your feelings as you were going through these challenges and documenting it. And then you wrote that book on the 50 lessons that you learned. That is so powerful, you know, and I bet you after you wrote that book, you look back and like, wow, I learned so much in this, right? Like yeah. you, you, you almost it, almost like you felt probably that gratification, not as a gratification, but gratification that you learned so much. It helped to progress and evolve as a person. It probably changed your approach entirely. Right. Just the way you looked at things. And you also said something that what I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize is that entrepreneurship is 100 percent unconventional. It is not conventional. It is yeah. not meant to be. And if you think entrepreneurship is conventional, then that's one main reason why you shouldn't get into it. And I think conventional is like steady paycheck. Well, that's probably not going to happen. Steady cash flow, probably not going to happen for a while. You know, a steady customer base, probably not going to happen for a while. Failure. Oh, yeah, that's going to happen a lot of times. And you got to learn how to embrace that. You know how to embrace those failures, how not to let those failures affect you and move on, because that's how you were able to write that book, because you kept moving on. You recognize, okay, there's a a lesson today that I learned. I'm going to blog about it. I'm going to document it. I'm going to move on to the next day and the next day and the next day. So that is so powerful. I want to segue into some of the questions here because these are amazing questions that you have put on here that can so much resonate with. And the first one is, how can people co-create a different future from the one that we are blindly marching into? What are your thoughts on that? All right. So...
1: As as a futurist, um, obviously, you know, I've studied, I'm a member of the Association of Professional Futurists. Uh, It's not a term that is very popular that a lot of people are exposed to. So we tend to think um, it's for someone else. Somebody Mm. else is a futurist. But my uh, my argument is that we are all futurists. Um, And especially if we're entrepreneurial or we have our own business, but we're all natural futurists because we were thinking about, what comes next we're, we're thinking about the end of the year but what where, can we go on holiday or not what is it going to look like with covid um we're thinking about our children and our children's education your parents mm-hmm. are thinking about your education so we have these these thoughts about the future we prepare for them we put money away for retirement mm-hmm. but we can be better futurists and more intentional if we start talking about it and thinking about it yeah. and then when you become an intentional futurist. And then you get to say, especially as entrepreneurs do, that what do I want this to look like? What do I want my business to look like? My lifestyle to look like? And and we have to break that uh, inherited uh, perception of this is what a successful life looks like. You get a degree or a qualification and a nice job in a nice corporate and you put money away for retirement and you have a nice family and that's conventional and that's success. And we're going, no, it's not. And maybe I want to do something different. and And that is you know when we start to do that, we it's a very challenging time, and it's a really great space for entrepreneurs because we can then create um, a business around our lifestyle. Or we can service the kinds of people who want to have lifestyles that are unconventional. We can find niches in, in, um, in, in different markets that just didn't right. exist when right. we were aiming for you know, conventional things. And that's when we start to say, what do, we, what do we prefer our future to look like and how are we going to create that? Um, but it has to be quite an intentional exercise and i think it, it's a little bit of philosophy and most people don't like to play around with philosophy um yeah. they, they, you know, it's, a, it's a bit of a scary area you know if you ask too many questions then we're gonna have a midlife crisis and grow our mm-hmm. hair and buy an expensive sports car it, it doesn't need to be like that we should be asking these yeah. philosophical questions to design the life worth living
0: yeah you know uh, there's two things you mentioned that is absolutely spot on and um you you talked about you know as part of that you know co creating that new future and not walking into one that we're blindly steered into, you know it's it's so fascinating because you know like let's take my life for example is you know I'm an Eastern European so like my parents were like go to college get that degree get that paper get that job right and I think that me being a futurist and a disruptor I chose a different path clearly but I think. I think in part, at least for probably the first, I would say probably through my 20s, my early 20s, mid 20s, late 20s, I had sort of a scarcity mindset because it came from, okay, I'm walking an unconventional route, which is what a futurist does, but I have a scarcity mindset because I I was traditionally led into believing that conventional path is what I need to take. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I know people who are far more in debt because they've taken all more schooling and they don't even make a fraction of the income that they had anticipated. And here's me scaling a business six, almost seven figures. And it's like, like I did this with like going to the school of hard knocks. Yeah. That was literally the essence of it. Because when I was 14 years old, I understood that the internet was the next best thing to slice bread, literally. And Instead of, you know, doing my homework and what everybody else was doing, you know, I was on the internet trying to figure out, you know, the chat rooms and this and that and coding and programming and all that, MySpace, you know, all this stuff, right? But back then, like you said, it was unconventional, And actually, a very prime example now, you know, is the rise of of social video and podcasts and and video marketing is that talking about disruptive is, in fact, just recently, we started streaming this podcast in live video because I was like, you know what, like, that's the way we got to go. I mean, audio podcast is great, but live video is like, because let's face it, like they say, you know, uh, 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 a message is worth a thousand words, I think it was, or video is worth a million it just creates a better impression. It's more realistic and 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 personable, right? So to your point, but that's just said, I think as a society, we even to this day are being led to believe that a traditional, conventional path in life, in business, in family is what we need to walk and live. And anytime you are, you know, disruptor, futurist, unconventional, guess what? You're frowned upon, right? because you're not walking with the rest of the herd, so to speak. And that creates some fear. Right. And I think one of the biggest things for me personally, that I have had to learn the hard way is how to build up self-confidence because nobody else is going to be confident in your approach. If you're not confident, if you're not confident in your approach, if you're not, if you don't believe in yourself, who else is going to so as a futurist, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You got to be very self-confident, right? One hundred percent. Oh,
1: absolutely. You know, I, I think um, if you're if you're following the conventional path, then there's a, a definition of what that looks like as successful. So mm-hmm. you can you can rate yourself and see where you are on that scale. But if you're traveling a new path that has not been you know, traveled before, um, then you have nothing ready to compare yourself to. So you don't know if you're succeeding or not. So you really do have okay. to rely on yourself. I, I'll, I'll give you a quick example. When I try and talk to people and really unpack everything that we can explore about the future, I give this example of a map and a compass and a guide. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I would be the guide taking them, you know, through this journey. But uh, it's a transferable skill. So I want them to be the guide to take their teams, their families through.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: the compass encompasses all of the models, business models, academic models, all the, 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 the ways we're going to work things out. So it's really nice and robust. But the map is just something that, that my husband and I sat down and created. And every time mm-hmm. I use it, I go, wow, I had no idea this map was inspired more than what we thought we were putting down on it. But what we have is this uh, like one third of the way into the map is uh, this moment in time, and then on, on the left hand side of that, the, the kind of historical path, yeah, um, there's two towns, and the towns are very different in terms of how the map is laid out. One is, um, one has got a wall around it with just one tiny gate, so everybody inside there is nice and safe and is very predictable. Mm. And, and if they come out, they're coming out of their safety and everything looks scary. And if they look towards the ocean, there's this big monster. There's a, a big octopus in, in the mm-hmm. water. Um, the other town is open and there's a stream flowing through it. There's a, fire, um, a fireplace so people can sit around and share stories and learn from each other. But because it's open, they can see the changing seasons. They can see trends coming along. And it, it, it's helpful when we have these conversations for people to say, My family and I were more in that walled, you know, village, um, in that town that was all protected, safe and predictable. And that's why it's so scary for me coming out and doing something new. And, and while we are entrepreneurial and, you know, people who are listening to this podcast surely are, are, you know, in that, that open space where they want to explore, they want to go down this unknown path towards an unknown, you know, territory, um, we, we still society still needs those people in that in that safe village because there's a lot of things that need to be done there and there's a lot yeah. of people who don't want to go on the adventure and especially I think of in terms of my family my, my parents are happy and safe where they are they do not want to go on a, on a glorious adventure into right, unknown right. wilderness so so we have to kind of respect <clears> and, and take care of those people who, who stay behind while we go and explore. And if we can find the treasures of the future, we bring it back to them so that we can help to enhance uh, the village that we come from. That's, that's a,
0: you yeah, yeah. know, you know, the two key takeaways out of that is comparison and comfort. Yeah. You know, I think as you were talking about the model that you utilize is, I think uh, even with the map, too many people try to compare themselves to everybody else, you know, as a futurist, you don't compare yourself because you are the leader. You are the innovator. You are like, you know, the bulldozer that's bulldozing through and you don't know what's on the other side, nor do you care. You're just trying to get on the other side. Right. And then the comfort is you're absolutely right. You know, I think there's a lot of people in the world that like to live in comfort. And this like goes beyond and I'm a huge fan for psychology, you know, a huge fan I've had you know, even several several uh, psychics on the show as well, and we've gotten deep and deep into the psychology aspect. But as you were explaining it, I think there's a lot of people who do see comfort, you know, and 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 they're okay with that. You know, they're okay with that. The way I look at it is, okay, are you comfortable where you are? Is that where you want to be? Right? Are you comfortable financially? Are you comfortable with your life? Are you comfortable with your family? You know, are you comfortable with what you have? If you're not you need to seek greener pastures. And that's what a futurist is. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but a futurist never stops. It's a continuous explorer, in essence. So that was a really key message, which kind of leads me to the next question I want to get your take on is, why do people feel like they need permission to do things?
1: Yeah, you you need a really good psychologist to help unpack that one. But uh, (laughs) I find it... I find it frustrating. I read something the other day. I, I wish I could mm-hmm. remember who said it. She says, it's not about who's going to let me. It's who's going to stop me. Um, and yeah. I thought that was, that's kind of like the motto I'd like to take. Um, I, I don't think that everyone I work with would be quite happy with that. But, but the idea is if, if we have an idea in our minds and it's a good idea and it brings benefit to people, yeah. uh, we should express it. We should explore that and, and do it. But so many people have this, and they're like on the verge of something amazing, but they're yeah. waiting for someone to tell them it's okay. But everybody's got their own stuff that they're worried about, and they're not looking out for us to say, "Okay, you need permission, or you should go back and study some more, or you need a piece of paper yeah. before yeah. you can do this." We we have to take what we've got um, and and work with it. We that it's no good waiting for it um, because you know something could come along, like you know COVID, which totally grounds our plans and and then we have to try and be creative and if we don't have that that practice of trying something creative something risky something scary um without someone's permission just trying it ourselves if we don't build a talent and a a strength for that um then when we really need to step up and do something amazing we don't know how to because we're still waiting for a boss or a teacher or somebody to say it's okay Um, So yeah, it's something we have to, we have to grow into and develop and not everybody wants to do that.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I can 100% relate to that. And that's why I wanted to ask this question is because let's just say that my high school days are a giant blur because I was bullied all through high school. You know, I was the kid that had the long hair, big glasses, pushed and kicked and called all Mm -hmm. kinds of names, sat by myself during lunch, more times than I can count and So that developed into low self-esteem and like zero confidence, zero self-belief. But I think in part because I was looking for validation as you just pointed out. Like you said, most people, I think in the traditional system, right? Especially the education system is when you get a degree it's kind of like a validation, right? It's a stamp of approval that you've accomplished X, Y, Z. Well, someone like me who barely graduated high school and dropped out of college and have contributed to continued education curriculums Suddenly goes like, what the fuck? How does that make sense? I don't have that paper, right? Yet I'm contributing to an emergent skill or skill sets. that are in high demand. And they weren't even fully accredited because they're, they're part of a continuing education program. So it's not of like an actual curriculum that's board certified and it goes through the list of bullshit in politics, you know, to get the stamp of approval, right? So to your point is I think, a lot of people do look for that validation, you know, because they want to know that, like you said, it's okay. The mom and dad say that it's okay. And I struggle with that because especially when I started, my business was like, will my parents approve of this. Like, well, what do you think of me being an entrepreneur instead of getting a nine to five job? Well, let's see, I was broke as fuck in a nine to five, barely paid my bills after I got my paycheck. And I was still broke after that, let alone now as a father to put any money away for my kids, A college fund, which you ask me, I think a college fund is a traditional thing in reality, because I look at my kids and I'm like, both of them are probably going to be entrepreneurs. I'm going to be fucking good at it, too, because they're in part taking from me and and from my wife. Also, So to your point is people don't need permission. The only person you need permission from is yourself to say, yes, I can do it and just go and fucking do it. You know? So uh, the next question that I wanted to segue into is, and this kind of relates a little bit, is what, why do people feel so disempowered about the future? I want to get your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I, I spend a lot of time trying to encourage people to have, you know, some philosophical reflection. Uh, and I know I've mentioned this already, but um, mm-hmm. I think we, we don't have time for it. And we don't have time in, in a busy lifestyle. Um, you know, we, we, we had COVID and we had lockdowns around the world. So people were sitting at home. So they thought they'd have more time, but they mm-hmm. weren't just expanded to fill the free time. Uh, we don't take any time aside to contemplate, to have conversations, to, to dwell on something. I, I joined a mastermind um, with a, just a handful of friends. There's five of us. We've been meeting for three years on a Wednesday morning from 8 to 9 uh, for three full years. And we've we gone through the kind of the, the initial information that we were kind of sharing and talking about. But what we end up doing is actually giving each other space to have philosophical reflection uh, on, on whatever our issues are. And because we have that, it just means when we when we take our product to market, when we take our training or our speaking to an audience, uh, we know that we've really thought about it and really you know, dwelt on it. So it's Mm -hmm. not something that is unformed or, you know, something that we're seeking validation for. So I know that the content that I bring to people is good, which means that when they say to me, that was fantastic. You're brilliant. That's amazing. I say, thank you, but I don't have to take all of that on board. I don't have to have their approval for my validation. But at the same time, if somebody comes into my training or into a session in a bad mood or they disagree with me or they don't like me um, and they say something negative or unpleasant, um, I don't have to take that on board either. It's, you know, whether it's a compliment or an insult, it's actually their problem, not mine. Because Mm -hmm. I know what I know because I've already spent time working on it. If if I had not spent enough time working on on myself and my knowledge and, and what I'm sharing, if I was just kind of skimming it and, and trying to present somebody else's content, then I would be that much more needy of somebody to approve me because, because I, I didn't own it. Um, no. And and I think, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, we're obviously doing different kinds of work. Uh, we're offering different kinds of service, but if we really believe that what we're doing is, is valuable and worthwhile, we're not just making a widget to make money, but we, we're actually yeah. offering something of value, then we own that. And then we don't have to get the approval of other people um, because because it's ours.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely spot on. You know, I think in part failure of success is what disempowers a lot of people is because they look for so much instant gratification. And then to your point about the psychology, one of my most favorite quotes that I've been embracing for the last few years, especially is by Tony Robbins. And it says the business is 90% psychology. 10% And 10% execution. So there's so much that goes into it. And I think this is why I personally have become such a huge proponent for personal development and mindset development because, you know, for instance, I've been a cyclist for eight years. And like, for example, the first two years when I started cycling, it was all about, you know, let's get lean and mean, you know, lose a few pounds. But now eight years later, investment into a new bike is like, it's mind therapy. Yeah. You know, for me, because that, that's like my holy place, so to speak, to go to like diffuse all the noise. And I realized that the more I cycle, it's almost like like a good drug. It's like the more I cycle, the more my mind develops, the more like you have these empty slots sort of in your brain and they start to fill with the right information. And suddenly, like things just click and you realize that business is really just about psychology It's like your perception, presentation, you know, not worrying, not scarcity mindset, not validation, not worrying for approval. And like you said, you know, the haters, right? Someone might, might dislike you or something. I actually have learned over the years is that, and I've actually have challenged myself purposely is like, okay, acknowledge, but don't accept acknowledge because let's face it. Not everybody's going to like you. I mean, as a future as most people are not yeah. going to like you because you th- you're going to think you're fucking crazy. They're going to look at you and like, Like Elon Musk, most people think he's fucking crazy, but he's a self-made billionaire. So in the beginning, they thought he was crazy. He's every bit of a futurist, right? SpaceX, Tesla, the boring company, you know, so on and so forth. PayPal is for when PayPal was started. I was like, who's going to use PayPal? Well, it sold for 20 million back in the day, right? Or 25 million or however, right? To eBay. So like, to your point is that, no, you don't. You don't need permission. You shouldn't feel disempowered. You should you should feel whole within yourself and then accept criticism, but delineate criticism from constructive criticism because the haters are all about criticism right now. People yeah. who actually want to support and encourage you. They'll give you constructive criticism, which is the difference. And believe it or not, most people don't even know the difference <laughs> between criticism and constructive criticism. Criticism is like you suck. Constructive criticism is like, OK, you didn't do that too well. But here's how you could do it differently and they give you input. So actually your haters could actually turn into your biggest fans as long as they give you constructive criticism. But at the end of the day, like you said, you made a very good point. You don't need that for validation. The only yeah. person that needs that is you to validate what you're doing, because it takes time To bring things to fruition as an entrepreneur, specifically as a futurist, it takes time to bring things to fruition. I think that's what most entrepreneurs struggle with. And then so the last question that is a really powerful and that that I want to get your thoughts on, too, is, you know, why do people who are intentional about creating their future so often look like the exception instead of the norm?
1: so many people just move blindly through through the day and through the year mm-hmm. uh, without any intention and and I right. think it is you know it, it it requires some kind of a disruption uh, so so what we what we have is you know you hit a birthday with a with a zero on the end you know 30 40 50 60 right. <laughs> uh, or you get a divorce or you um, a global pandemic happens and suddenly your, your plans are derailed, but the plans aren't these intentional things we've, we've, we reconstructed it's we've adopted inherited some assumptions about what our future should look like. And, and all we try and do is say, I'm going to be successful like everyone else, but a little bit better. Um, I'm going to, you know, next year is going to be like last year, just 10% better. Um, and we keep doing that without stopping to say, do I even want this? Is this even yeah. what I want? Yeah. As an example, my, my husband and I, um, he's entrepreneurial as well. Uh, he's lost some businesses. I've actually lost two businesses. And yeah. we got together and we said, we have all these speaking colleagues around the world, who a bunch of them who travel a lot. And there's always this kind of lifestyle thing about being by the beach. And we said, let's not wait until we're successful and we paid off everything and paid off the house to do that. Let's do it now. So we sold everything. We sold all of our property, all of our yeah. possessions, and we, we rented um, a furnished apartment um, right on the beach, just looking yeah. straight down over the waves. And we immediately had the lifestyle we wanted, but it was so completely contrary to what everybody else would expect us to do. But what that's yeah. allowed us to do is, and obviously this was you know disrupted by COVID, but what we do is we spend 10 months in South Africa, and we spend two months of the year in another part of the world. Um, so wow. we can really live somewhere else. So mm-hmm. the last visit was two months in Menorca off the coast of Spain. The year before was two months in Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur. Um, just to spend two months in a city like that, meeting people, uh, meeting colleagues and friends, just listening yeah. to the culture and, and the language around you. Um, you can't do that if you lead you know, a, a conventional life. So we have to find right. ways to, to you know, find something unconventional to follow. If that is, you know, if we are that kind of person, there's going to be lots of people in our right. lives that, that who hear this and they panic. Um, I, I had somebody who heard me talk about this once. She said, "If I want to be a futurist, do I have to sell my house?" I said, "No, that's the path I've chosen. That's right. not you." So we're going to have conventional people, but but I think we we really need to find. Um, we need to find those things that make that push us that stretch us so that we're, we're become aware of what we're capable of um because we're yeah. so much more capable of of it of crafting designing um yeah. and together with other people designing a future that is absolutely amazing and i think most people don't give it the time and effort um to actually really try that it's a courageous yeah. step to do
0: you know uh that is 100 spot on and i think it also uh poses a really good point about how much you know being a futurist is actually very undefined because yes. um like you said the lady that questioned said well if i want to be a futurist i have to sell my house and it's like no you're making an assumption that you have to sell your house to become a futurist right so and really a futurist is really someone who you know is not living by a conventional route that's that's just it so conventional is. You know, like with cryptocurrency, for instance Most people think it's a fad But crypto is the next the next wave And he hasn't quite hit yet He has hit, but he hasn't quite hit And most people are like, well, no, I don't know crypto It's like until 5-10 years down the road When most banks are closing doors And they're like, oh shit, I better get into cryptocurrency So, but that's what a futurist does That's what a disruptor does is, It's kind of like 15 years ago When I was recording social videos You know, like most people are like what the fuck are you doing? Putting yourself out on the web, you crazy dude, you know? And then now it is like, well, well, that's how I build relationships. That's why this podcast is in video because it creates relatability and relatability makes you the obvious choice to people because they can connect with you on an emotional level. But you see like most conventional people, like you said, just don't get that. They just don't. Cause I think they're looking for so much gratification behind everything. Because traditionally they were taught that way. Right. It's like, I'm going to keep my money in the bank Oh, because crypto is a fad. No, you need to go into crypto because guess what? The US dollar, the last time it crashed, it put us in an 80 year recession. And when it crashes next time, who is it going to affect? Middle class people like you and me, you know, for the most part. Right. But people don't fathom that because they're not thinking that far ahead. They're not thinking that and not even just crypto, but like life right? Like you said, you sold everything, moved to an apartment, right? And suddenly you had the lifestyle that you had always dreamed of. Most people are probably going like, you're crazy, sold all your shit, right? What are you thinking? You know, going out on the limb, but you know what? That's how growth happens. Growth happens from discomfort. It's one of the hardest things that I think I've had to learn because even though there's been like, you know, I bought a dream car that I've wanted. Right? I'm like, all right, don't get settled and get too comfort comfortable now. Like, keep pushing, right? But even when I have all these things, like dream house next year, now I have a family. Also, in this and that. It's like, don't settle, don't get comfortable. And I think that's the differentiation between someone who a futurist who's walking an unconventional path and someone who lives in the norm. And they accept the norm because that's how they choose to live their lives. And this is all true about, you know, entrepreneurship and life and in business in general, because if you want to live the norm, entrepreneurship is probably not for you. I can tell you that right now. And if you want to live in comfort, entrepreneurship is not for you either. You're probably not going to be a futurist either because you already have it implanted in your mind of what you want to do because you've been force fed that, you know, for, Growing up, your your family, your friends, colleagues, people on social media specifically. And we'll see a lot of that, right? Every day, all over social media, like people are living a certain lifestyle and, and they think that everybody else should live a, that lifestyle. It's like, well, just because you live a certain way doesn't mean that everybody else is going to live a certain way. So being a disruptor, you know, being an innovator, being a futurist, you know, it's all about making your own choices, right? Is... What, what, what do you want? Right. What, what does, what does Charlotte want? Right. What, what's going to make you happy? What do you feel? What do you feel like your definition of success is? Cause I think in entrepreneurship too many people say, well, success is money, right. Debt free, right. Like you said, most people wait to pay everything off and retire, which let's face it in this rate is what 60, 70, 80 years old. Yeah. Maybe to go and live. In a fully furnished apartment on the beach to be debt free. And you were like, nah, we're going to do the polar opposite. We're going to sell everything. We're just going to go. Guess what? You're living that life because you were intentional about it.
1: Ah, absolutely. So,
0: look, Charlotte, I absolutely, <laughs> absolutely love this discussion so much in it that, and again, being a huge fan of psychology, I think you unpacked so much of it. You've done a lot of it yourself with everything you've done in your life in business and that speaks great lengths because that shows proof of concept that you weren't just intentional but you actually executed on these things which is like the next step of this so before we wrap up this episode which i absolutely loved throw some handles some websites you know email addresses whatever you can think of that people can you know reach out and connect with you
1: Lovely. Thank you. I have an, uh, LinkedIn is good. Charlotte Kemp on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me there quite easily. I'm called the Futures Alchemist. And I have a website. It's charlottekemp.co.za. And the ZA is for South Africa. And that's quite important. The, uh, the, the suffix there is co.za. Yep. Because if you do uh, charlottekemp.com, you're going to find a completely different Charlotte Kemp. And I'm not responsible at all for that. Please don't open that site to <laughs> be working hours in front of your bus.
0: that that's a really really good tidbit there because (laughs) let's face it i mean the internet is a crowded space i mean so i appreciate you sharing that charlotte thank you so much i i absolutely absolutely love this discussion you brought so much value and i know listeners and viewers you know are gonna absolutely get all of that as well so thank you so much again congratulations on everything your book business your life So happy to see that you've gotten to where you want to be. And I'm sure you still got a ways to go. So excited for you, you know, on what happens this year and beyond.
1: Great. Ivan, thank you very much. I've really enjoyed the conversation with you.